0: This is episode number sixty-one, part two of the year in review recording.
1: Well, and it's also that we've seen a lot of Nasdaq listings this year. I mean, I don't know I follow this sort of only peripherally, I would say, on 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 over LinkedIn, but but seeing sort of who went public on Nasdaq, how many companies, my, my impression is, I haven't done proper statistics on this, but my impression is this must be an all-time uh, historic record for biotech in terms of going public. So, so the, the, the excitement um, at, at my point of view um, is still very
0: high. One hour, 15 minutes of exciting conversations with speakers from previous podcast episodes and business partners of the hosts. What was hot in 2021 and what do our speakers expect in 2022 were the questions that the host and the co-hosts were elaborating on. As a start into 2022, I will bring the recording live in seven separate episodes. Here is the second conversation with Bettina Ressel from Sanofi Europe, Sascha Berger from TVM Capital, Tilman Birkstümmer from ADN Biotech and BitBio Discovery, Thomas Moser from the same companies, Kimberly Cornfield from the UCL, and Matthias Tarasiewicz and Astrid Wallert as co-hosts. In this episode, we are talking about health literacy and the healthcare system venture capital in 2021, digitalization in drug development, the golden age of biotech and home office. How will work life change in the post-pandemic world? I hope you enjoy the conversation the same way as I did. Enjoy the show. Let's switch to the next uh, speaker. Just give me a second to arrange everything. And it's Bettina Ressel from Sanofi Europe, and she's uh, responsible for public affairs uh, head Europe consumer healthcare. Bettina, it's good to see you back on the show.
2: Hi, Christian.
0: Hi, good to see you. How is how are you doing?
2: Very good, thank you. And in Christmas mood already.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's that's great. Only
2: only only a few days uh, uh, are are being until Christmas. That's really great
0: how many days do we have i think it's it's eight or two it, right? it's just a, just
2: a week so today <laughs> in a week
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's still enough time for all men to do their christmas shopping last minute so we've still a week ahead
2: but the mod- modern men and women they buy an internet or isn't it <laughs>
0: that's that's true that's true Bettina, how was your 2021
2: it was a, a very mixed year, um, so to say. Uh so for, 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 for from, from a personal point of view, um I, I changed the teams uh, so in the in the middle of the year um, I left uh, Sanofi in Austria and uh, uh, take over my my current role as uh, a responsible person for public affairs for consumer health care um, in, in, in Europe and uh, uh, the consumer health care business is uh, um, a very um how can i say it um is a very responsible sector um responsible for uh, helping our healthcare system system being more resilient in the upcoming years. So it's very, very important to have self-care as a and it, and it is, a, is, a, is a crucial part um in in the health uh, business as well as uh, the healthcare systems and um so i'm very happy to to go over this role um and to work together with the uh, uh, old european um, countries uh, and as well as with the governments and and tell them um, how they can save money with improving the self care uh, business in their countries because uh, um, people are uh, very familiar with their health uh, as we saw during the pandemic um, in 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 the first couple of uh, weeks and months uh, the healthcare system has to concentrate on. Um, um, On 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 diseases, um, not only on COVID, but also on diseases like uh, oncology and uh, um, chronic diseases as well. And so, um, cough and cold, for example, in the beginning of the of the of the uh, pandemic in twenty twenty two. No, not twenty two. We 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 have twenty two in the next year. So in twenty twenty. Oh, uh the, the the people have to handle all those uh things for their own so allergy digestive uh, uh wellness um cough and cold as i said before pain and pain care so uh, the healthcare system said okay if you're not totally ill uh, please handle your healthy status uh, for your own this was the first time in uh, in 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 every healthcare systems all over Europe that people has to care for themselves, and they showed that they can be responsible for their own uh, health and uh, health and well being, and um, so um, it's very important that we that we have this status, but we have also in 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 addition uh, accompanied this uh, this new. Uh, role of of the people to care for themselves uh, with uh, uh, the improvement of health literacy, because uh, people have to know more about their uh, well being, what is what is good for them, and and uh, what what shall they not do? Um, we are facing Christmas, as we joked in the beginning, um, and and uh, um, to know what is what is good to eat uh, and drink, and uh, that uh, that is good to to go outside um t- to take a walk after after a heavy <laughs> a heavy christmas dinner or lunch um is 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 uh, the first step of of being uh, of being healthy um and in addition to to this uh, um the self care um gives the opportunity and gives the opportunity to to everyone um to um to to be more more healthy in the end
3: i think And do you a... also do sorry Go ahead, Astrid. Oh, go ahead, continue. No.
2: continue. <laughs> so, I mean, this is
3: really a great topic, but um how do you actually reach your patients? Are you using also any kind of digital applications or is it by a traditional kind of routes or...
2: No, our products are uh, we sell our products via the pharmacies. So um, the self care um, products that we have in our portfolio, so for allergy, digestive, uh, mental health, uh, well being, uh, pain care, all those products are are um, uh, available in the pharmacies, so, so that you can go as a consumer or as a patient um, and speak with uh, the the pharmacist uh, and 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 he. Uh, gives you the advice uh, which product um, you you shall take um, so uh, this is the one side where you can uh, where you can get self care products, and the other, um, as as I also mentioned before, is the internet. So there are several different web platforms where you uh, can can also buy self care products, where self care products are offered. Um, it's very high regulated. It's a very high regulated um, segment um, because uh, we're buying uh products um which are uh um also under the authority of the regulatory uh bodies in, in in each and every country also uh um like like the other reimbursed or the 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 the, the medication you need a prescription for so it's it's not uh, um it's not possible to go into um a shop and buy all those products i mentioned before
0: I like the term you mentioned, health literacy. And I think this is one of the positive outcomes, if there is any of the pandemic, that uh, general awareness for how to stay healthy uh, is increasing. My question to you is, um, what can the different stakeholders do to improve that and to accelerate the process in 2022?
2: Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: ready to get started click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today
2: there there are a lot of um, concepts uh, strategies to improve uh, the health literacy for for the people. The, the easiest is um, to teach the children. So in kindergarten, to teach them to eat the the the, the right food, so to say, um, and and uh, to learn children that uh, um, they can they can go outside, um, uh, have a walk, run uh, outside in the park, um, uh, and and this these are the, the the first steps. In, in our health literacy career, to know uh, that fruits, vegetables, um, and fewer meat uh, is, is, is crucial for our um, health and well-being and uh, uh, also for the mental wellness. Uh, it, is, it, is, um, it is necessary to, um, to have a walk, to go outside, to move not only to to sit the whole day as we do uh, and did for the last uh, uh, one or two years in our home office chairs and uh, even do not go out. So to learn the children that uh, it's fun uh, to to go outside uh, and to run to bicycle or uh, only only be outside and, and do some sports and movements um, and uh, to teach them uh, which um, um, which uh, vegetables, uh, meat, uh, um, and and other products uh, on 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 our list, uh, on our shopping list, and on our eating list, uh, are good for us, and in which concentration that it's also okay. Then when they are eating um, chips, but um, it, it, it it it's it's not good to have uh, tons of them um, on the on the eating list. Um, so these are the first steps. It's, it's really easy it's easy to stay healthy <laughs> when you learn it uh, from the very beginning and uh um but uh, but uh, uh we also have to take into account that not uh, everyone is going to kindergarten um, uh, so so people in our ages um, they have also to be teached uh, by by the right um, by the right tools and methods what can they do to get uh, healthier and and even i think it's it's uh, what what we saw in our company as well is that mental health is is the most crucial thing um, which we have to deal with um, in, in 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 our times uh, because the 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 a uh, long-lasting time period uh, of distancing of social distancing of physical distancing um, not all of us have a have a family and and, and sit with a family at home which also brings problems it's not only it's not only fun to sit in a flat or in a house um uh, the, the whole time uh, only with your family uh, this also brings uh, brings problems to families as well as this, uh, the, the the mental health status uh, um, but uh, what we saw in our company is that uh, we have uh, to offer more um more mental mental health solutions uh, so to say and what you said or what you what you asked astrid um we are thinking about um to have in the next upcoming years more solutions um which we connect with our product so um we have products for mental health and well-being and uh, our um our vision is to look for applications for health solutions in the digital sector um, uh, which we can link with those uh, with those uh, medication um two days ago i i i heard from a doctor from a physicist in uh, germany that they um that they developed uh, an application um, and with just simple tools, they improved the life of uh, the people who are using this uh, application by 30% in in six months. So the health status of uh, those people who use this application increased in a very uh, a short period of time, and uh, um, it it was amazing to to hear about that. And uh, um, as I said before, it's not it's not rocket science. It's only improving. The knowledge um, of of your own literacy, of your health literacy, to know what is good for me, um, to uh, only it's it's, it's it, it, it people know that smoking is not good for them, but uh, um, uh, and they know also that sitting is not good for them. So, so uh, t- to sit the whole day is the, is the new smoking. Um, they know if it's if it's in, in, in English the same pronunciation and uh, as in as in as in, in German. Um, but uh, but uh, we we need some um, some tools which remember us. That we have to uh, uh, stand up uh, every uh, one time in an hour. Uh, we need tools uh, uh, which uh, um, uh, tell us, okay, how much have you have you? Which um, how much uh, uh, did you did you drink this day? Do, do you do you walk and and exercise um, um, for a for a, for a. For a uh, Period of time, so um, staying healthy is 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 uh, is not is not that uh, on on the one hand not that easy, but on the other hand we can give uh, solutions uh, to the hands of the people, which helps them with uh, very uh, easy steps uh, to get healthier in a very short period of time, and uh, this is what we would like to do in twenty two um, to link. Uh, as I said before, to link our products with all those easy handling uh, things.
0: Matthias, a quick final question to Bettina.
2: Yes,
4: I, guess I was wondering, um, because of cost um, as the whole pandemic was challenging, um not only for people because of um uh, home office, but also especially for offices, there has been this change of perception, this um change in um, public sentiment, if the office is needed at all, or if we will have this kind of um, change situation um, or post pandemic situation, let's call it for now, um, that will stay like that. So, um, how do you see, um, also this kind of, um, uh, problem emerging or this kind of home office, uh, um, uh, emerging? There's also a lot of terms that are coming, um, along the way, such as great resignation or like also great reshuffle. These topics that are, um, debating that, um, there will not be the old normal. So the old normal will not be the new normal. There will be, um, a kind of a constant change in, in, in people staying at the home office. And in this case, um, they would be, uh, very much in need of, um, understanding this, um, this health, um, literacy that you've been, uh, talking about. Do, do, you see the same uh, thing existing? Do you, do, um, uh, design your product around that or would that, um, uh, also work without, um, home offices and, 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 and
2: yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure what is what is new, what is old <laughs> after after two years uh, sitting in home office. Um, so, from my personal from from my personal point of view, if you if you if you raised this question one one year uh, before to me, um, I I, I, w- I have uh, given you the answer that I'm absolutely convinced that we will never go back to the office um, and uh, that every one of us will stay at home for 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 the end of the business career um, and and work from the home offices, as long as we do have the pandemic, and, and even longer. Um, now, two years um, in uh, in uh, sitting sitting at home, um, and 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 looking uh, around our, especially our company, um, and 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 speaking to to my colleagues, um, um, makes me um, see see it uh, differently, because. Um, we need this uh, social interaction and, uh, um, I, 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 I see it and, and I, and saw it as well as our HR colleagues, um, also, um, uh, have, have the same impression that people needs uh, to go to the office, um, and, uh, uh, they need to have this social interaction. The, the business stuff we can handle over, over Zoom or uh, other web platforms. Um, that's not, that's not the point. But uh, you need this um, short um, coffee talks. You need, uh, you need to have these short talks with your colleagues uh, going outside of your office uh, uh, and, 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 and just asking, how are you? Um, how the things are going? What is what is uh, on your on your agenda? What are you working on? And just these five minutes to, minute talks, they are so necessary for us people. The same as I as I said before, going outside, have a walk, or eating this the, the, the right food. Um, so we need this interaction, and this is also one part of our health literacy um, to, to know that we need social interaction. Um, and uh, um, it is the easiest thing to go uh, to the office to have this uh, social interaction.
0: Gina, thank you very much for for these nice words and your insights uh, into 2021. I wish you and your team and your family all the best for 2022. Thank and you very we much can, for maybe you we too. Can catch up. Maybe we can catch up in the next year. Fifteen minutes is definitely very short. <laughs> Just found <laughs> That's out. That's <laughs> true.
2: Thank you very much. So have a good day and a good weekend. Bye.
0: Have a great day. Bye. And uh, our next speaker is Sasha Berger from TV DVM Capital. Sasha, welcome to the show. Welcome back.
5: Hello. Thank you,
0: Sasha. How is life, how was life in 2021 in Munich and for TV, TVM Capital?
5: Well,
6: uh, probably similar to, to most of the other uh, venture capitalists. So TVM, for those who are not familiar, is uh, one of the, the oldest European VC firms uh, with, a, with a transatlantic presence. So besides Munich and uh, Central Europe, we are also present in North America. And uh, well, 2021 was, uh, was a busy year. Um, we still had some, uh, some deals to close, which were put on, on watch, so to say, in and, and, and the first COVID year. Um, now we are in the second COVID year. Uh, I, I was hoping, like anybody else like you, Christian, that this was over with uh, the last winter, but uh, well, It wasn't, Um, so we had to adapt to it. We had to to, uh, close those deals, um, make investments, even in a a world where traveling is is very challenging. So we closed a number of deals where we didn't even meet those people in person um, at all. So it was completely done virtually. Um, um, and, uh, well, we, we, of course, um, had to get in contact with new, new companies. have seen many, many opportunities and that was maybe the, the most, um, most, uh, striking feature of, of the last year. Just if I look back, um, that we've seen tremendous, um, tremendous investments. Um, the amounts per investment were, significant and just a couple of days ago another 87 million euro series a round was was closed by some of our colleagues um, for for a german biotech company um, and these uh, these mega million rounds have have increased um, also in europe and so despite the pandemic or maybe even because of well uh, that's that's a discussion we, we can have um, because of, of COVID and, and all the, the general um, interest in the field. Let's put that very neutral. Um, a lot of money is available now for biotech, uh, and, and we see the the effect of that in the market.
0: Sasha, many thanks for these insights that there is an uptake in investments. I was uh, hoping for years that we see something like that. Um, the question to you, I have is: Do you think it will be a lasting effect that more capital is flowing towards uh, early stage development, mid stage development, and also later stage development, or will it just be one moment in time and it's gone in a couple of months?
6: Well, I mean, I'm I'm as uh, as wise or 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 not so smart as anybody else here. Um, of course, I hope it's 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 lasting, but my My experience uh, rather tells me uh, we should use the window of opportunity now. Companies should use this window of opportunity, Mm -hmm. which is um, amazingly big, um, but will most likely be smaller um, at some point. There have always been waves in the past. Um, And just the amount of money flowing into the sector, is something which which I don't think is in that um, on that level sustainable um, because people are of course very, very optimistic now uh, they're investing hundreds of millions in biotech companies, but I mean the inherent risk of drug development and the life science sector doesn't change. I mean just out of pure statistics, most of those projects will fail and people who are not, familiar with this sector may burn their fingers and if they just do one or two investments and those don't turn out to be the big winners um people may be um frustrated uh in, in one two three years um so that's i mean we all know that um because that's that's just the business um, um but uh um yeah i hope that uh, that Overall, even though I don't think that these high levels um, will will continue for for the next two three years, overall um, there are more people interested in the field, and we can indeed with this new wave of money now achieve uh, significant um, advancements, and, and that is overall positive. So I only see this positive.
0: Ah, uh, Irène Robin mentioned that he was impressed um, by the speed of vaccine development and the development of therapeutics overall and that the pharma industry and also the researchers the scientists did a great job and i always wonder will this also be a lasting effect so that um, the entire industry is focusing on uh, streamlining the entire research process to also see um an uptake in the development speed in other disease areas. What's your opinion on that? What do you see as an investor in the pipeline?
6: Well, I think that there are two elements. First, I mean, it wasn't really that big of a surprise, um, given that, um, I mean, Moderna and um, and BioNTech were both working on this for years, and BioNTech for a decade. Mm -hmm. Um, The surprise was that it now... Uh, actually worked right i mean it didn't work before so luckily for all of us um uh, the the vaccine did work uh, in the oncology space where they started um, they had lots of failures um which eventually didn't and and discouraged them from continuing um but improving the product the process uh, the production and then uh, well the the first real hit was the was the vaccine so it wasn't coming out of the blue um, when we talk about the technology. But but you're right, of course, I mean, the regulatory framework was exceptionally supportive in this regard. Um, And and things have been able, um, which which haven't been able before, simply because it was uh, um, generally accepted also by by the regulatory authorities that a stepwise approach is OK, and you don't have to generate the full data package, um, put everything in a nice presentation, um, then schedule a meeting, then go to the meeting, and then you have half a year of review period. But it was really this iterative process. We generate a new batch of data. It's, it's just sent via email to the regulatory authorities. They review while you're continuing the study. And this this hand-in-hand approach um, made it happen in the end. Unfortunately um i don't think that this is the norm and will be the norm because this this of course is super time consuming um a lot of attention was was put on the vaccine but f- taken away from other projects that were put on hold a bit um because um yeah the uh, I mean the, the the regulatory authorities just didn't recruit Double number of people. It's just that they focus their attention on certain projects. So I hope the learning will be that it's it's better to be um, a bit more flexible um, in the um, in the way um, uh, the communication should be handled, um, and and that an iterative process is smarter. Um, but I don't think that that overall. Um, the processes completely change, and they shouldn't change. I mean, in the end, it is important that people feel that this is done properly, right, and it's not rushed. This is the criticism you hear now that that these vaccines are, are rushed into the market, and you don't know all about the the um, the side effects, which is not true. I mean, this this was done very very well, um, but. The overall impression should be this is this is properly done, and, and people's safety um, is the utmost uh, priority um, of any of any drug development.
0: I think so. I completely agree. Safety is uh, the most important thing. When I look at 2021 and 2020 uh, to switch to the digital development. Uh, it always feels to me like uh, two decades were put into two years, um, and I always wonder from uh, from from your deal flow as we see, uh, do you see also effects in the kind of deals that are coming to you that also this digital transformation is happening in track development at uh, a similar speed?
6: Yes, I do. I mean, uh, as always, crises. Um, um, not only block things, but they also accelerate certain processes. And this is clearly what we see here. So um, the um, the way we work together, which was also discussed uh, with, with Bettina just before me, um, obviously changed for everybody. And also the, um, the, the developments which um, we saw before, meaning more digitization, uh, smarter processes and uh, new technologies like like um, mrnas whatever i mean this this got a um a rocket fuel <laughs> in with the pandemic um and um i don't think that that this will change right this is this as i said these are are, are things which have been before on the market um but now got the real kick um and and speed and I mean, um, yeah, digital processes using artificial intelligence, remote patient monitoring—all these topics, uh, which um, which are now easier in, in this new um, home office uh, environment—they um, won't go away, right? I, I think this is this is here to stay.
2: It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration.
0: Sasha, one final question to you. Uh, What is your outlook for 2022?
6: Well, my wish for 2022, is that this whole COVID mess is, is uh, getting under control? Um, I I optimistically made travel plans <laughs> for the year, um, and I really hope that I can go back to a to a hybrid w- model where um, I can continue working uh, from the office uh, for things where where a digital. Um, um, interaction is simply most efficient but i really hope that i can also meet with people again building trust is something which you can do via zoom and teams but it's way more efficient and more fun <laughs> to do that in person um so that is my hope um, my expectation is that um uh, the um the fast lane we got now for certain technologies um will be available and we have to make the best out of the, out of the um, the attention, the money which is available in the sector. Spend it wisely, make good bets, and and then hopefully by doing that, we'll have a long-term impact, um, a positive one for for the industry and then in the end for patients.
0: Yeah, this would be great being uh, able to travel again. What are your plans when it comes to conferences? Where can people meet you next year? Hopefully in person. <laughs>
6: Yeah, indeed, so um, a, uh, certainly all the bio conferences bi-Europe, bi-Europe Spring, bi-International, which will be in San Diego next year. Um, um, so th- those are the, the bigger ones um, and will continue to, to be present on all the ma- major partnering online conferences. Um, but I really hope to, to see people again. I think first time in, in Basel in, in March by Europe spring. Um, so that would be great if Omicron is not uh, completely destroying our plans here.
0: No, this would be be very great to catch up in Basel next year in spring in March. Sasha, thank you very much for joining. I wish you, your team and your family all the best for 2022 and a Merry Christmas. Thanks, Christian. Merry Christmas to all. See you. So we move to our next speaker, Vienna, Austria, Thomas Moser from Alien Biotechnology. And uh, with Thomas, I had uh, an amazing episode uh, recording in June, July uh, recording and publishing where we were switching the content uh, from all the discussion from SARS-CoV-2 to another amazing technology, um, to gene editing and CRISPR technology, and welcome to the show. I see that uh, Tilman is here, Tilman Büchstäbler from Alien Biotech.
1: Hi, Christian. Good to see you. I'm waiting for Thomas to join as well. Um, mm-hmm. He was going to be there, but now he's not.
0: Ah, um, uh, he's. Uh, I think. He- probably let me just check you are here and i have to promote thomas to panelist so we should be joining i think in a in a second it's good to see you how are things going
1: yeah things are going very well i would say we've had a um a really fun year um and uh you know the companies are growing, and and we're seeing sort of a lot of excitement uh, in the industry. I would say in general. So um, I think we've had a tremendous uh, year, 2021.
0: Hi, Thomas. And it's amazing. I see that you have two webcams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he comes in stereo. <laughs> you should do the podcast with me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So. Yeah, no, we've 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 really had an interesting year because. We, you know I, we've told you a little bit about alien and, and about our um, sort of crispr screening yeah. um venture but we've also um built um an, a new venture which is bit by discovery um at that in this company we're really um taking stem cells and we're trying to create new cell types and that um is something that you know to me sort of when we started really sounded like science fiction right because there is this um sort of this paradigm, since the since the sort of mid twentieth century, that that cells can really only develop in, in sort of one direction, and and once um, they've become a certain cell, it's not easy to change cell identity. And and sort of in addition, it was always thought that you need to follow the the sort of if you like the natural trace, right? Cells need to essentially follow embryogenesis until they until they sort of become. Um, a mature or adult um, sort of cell type, and and together with our partners in Cambridge um, at at Bio, we, we're really achieving this amazing cell conversions. Right, we're starting with a stem cell, and and within a few days, it becomes sort of a neuron, and it sort of stretches out and it fires in in a cell culture. Right, these cells you can you can see them in neurons because they look like neurons and they behave like neurons, and uh, and and that's that's sort of really an amazing. Um, piece of science we feel and um and now the next bit is that we're really taking our technology and we're trying to find new cell types and that you know again i find that a bit like the sort of search for the holy grail in biology right you take one cell and you're trying to find a way to make another cell you're trying to find a way to create t cells from stem cells or nk cells from stem cells or or very other sort of various other cell types and and that is sort of what has kept us busy um at BitBio Discovery, I would say, um, over the course of this year. And we're seeing we're seeing sort of early results and early outcomes that that get us very excited.
0: Thomas, how was your 2021?
5: Yeah, for, for Alien this was another tremendous year. I think yeah we we even kind of profited from this whole corona situation. In a sense that we strongly see that the kind of trend for outsourcing from, from pharma and biotech companies is still a, a valid one. And, and uh, this helped us a lot in, in getting in uh, additional cooperation and, and projects. So in essence, yeah, we, we kind of are positive about this whole corona situation. But obviously, yeah, it, it hopefully <laughs> will go away at, at some point in time. And the other big trend that we definitely see, because you discussed it before, is really this trend to digitalization and, and tremendous data volumes in biology. I mean, we really see it, see it now. For the kind of sake of comparison, we just uh, looked up the, the our numbers: what what the amount of data we get in. Every hour 24/7 and and that's for people who are in biology that's a so-called two myy grant so that would mean close to 50 million reads come in every hour uh, irrespective of holidays and weekends so and yeah so the the bioinformatics is definitely gaining increasing uh, increasing importance. Especially in our business, business where we deal with, with the analysis of transcriptomes of, of single cells. You can easily imagine that this, this is a, a real uh, data, data battle that, that we have to fight here. You mentioned the data battle um
0: when you when you were speaking, I had this picture in my mind uh, the question from the investment world, so when you get data, is it a signal or is it just noise uh the data you get in for your company and for your area how do you see it? Uh, do you get a lot of noise now or more noise, or is it really helpful data so that uh, you can speed up your work processes or improve the quality of your approaches? How do you see that?
1: Shall I, shall I cover that, Thomas? My feeling is that, you know, what really sets us apart from what everybody else does is that we're not just collecting sequencing data in a sense that, you know, what people have done for a long period of time is they've taken different tissues, they've taken patient samples, they sequence, and then they, and then they essentially correlate phenotypes um, with, with the data, right? They say, "Oh, this group of patients had lupus, and and let's see if we can find something in the in the next gen sequencing data that that would tell us, you know, something about the mechanism of the disease or something about a new cure." Um, what we're doing is quite different because we're really running experiments where we perturb the system. So we're we're going in. We're using CRISPR. We're changing the expression or the the activity of certain genes, and we're looking at at sort of causal consequences. So it's really, I would say the data, while they're still big and they're noisy and somebody needs to make sense of them, like with all big data sets, they have these causal relationships in them that that really sets them apart from from many other data sets, particularly next generation sequencing data sets that people um, collect in the field. So it's, um, I I really think that that is where, um, where we see a lot of interest, Because because we can actually establish these causal relationships.
7: Stay with us. We'll be
2: right back.
6: The Coaching Conversation 2024. This podcast is 100% dedicated to leadership and leadership within the workplace coaching area. We work with companies throughout the world teaching leaders how to coach their employees This podcast is dedicated to teaching specific strategies, frameworks, coaching models, and now artificial intelligent strategies to help leaders drive greater teamwork, collaboration, cooperation, greater attitudes, better motivation, coaching career development, just to name
0: a few. I hope you'll check out our podcast. We had in, in June uh, a nice podcast episode about uh, CRISPR, CRISPR therapeutics. And uh, I asked you because I saw a lot of uh, attention from investors coming to this field after Intelia completed or had a good readout from their studies. And to me, it feels currently at the end of the year that the hype is a little bit of fading out. Is this just my impression from the stock market? Because the prices just went down, I think, in, in all areas of tech. Uh, what's happening in CRISPR? currently where is the journey I going
5: i mean we actually did a, a kind of market research and looked looked very carefully in all the clinical trials that are going on also publications so to be honest we we don't see this trend that that there may be any diminishing interest in in, in the CRISPR technology i would see it the other way around that if you kind of look at all the interests and in terms of publication patterns, mm-hmm. trials, they significantly go up. I mean, it, it may be due to certain, you know, this Gartner hype cycles that after some exaggerations, interest may go down, but the big trend is there. And, and there's absolutely, there's no really good alternative, uh, to the to the CRISPR-Cas systems in terms of really targeted gene editing. I mean, of course, there are a lot of practical problems. You have to find the right delivery deli- delivery uh, system to get get it into the cells, and, and this may have cooled down down some interest. But I'm I'm strongly convinced that this trend is is still very strong and and will continue. No discussion.
1: Well, and it's also that we've seen a lot of Nasdaq listings this year. I mean, I don't know. I follow this sort of only peripherally, I would say, on 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 over LinkedIn. But but seeing sort of who went public on Nasdaq, how many companies. My, my impression is, I haven't done proper statistics on this, but my impression is, this must be an all time uh, historic record for biotech in terms of going public. So so the 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 excitement. Um, at, at my point of view, um, it is still very high.
0: Um. No, I completely agree with that. I also see this uh, from the investment point of view, also as a buying opportunity currently because the stock price is a little bit lower. For me personally, mm-hmm. it's not an advice. Uh, and I still uh, see also the potential for future. As you mentioned, Tillman, the sheer number of uh, companies going public, not only in the CRISPR area, but also in, in other areas, is astonishing. And some investors are speaking about the probability that we see another golden age of biotech because of the pandemic where uh, the general public meanwhile understands uh, how important our sector is. Tillman, what you mentioned at the beginning is uh, I find very interesting. Uh, If I understood you right, you said that uh, in your current research, you take stem cells and you can train them uh, or or program them in any kind of directions to just put it bluntly. Uh, Where is this technology? Where is this approach? You said it's the holy grail. Uh, what's the end point of the holy grail in terms of therapies?
1: Yeah, that's good. Essentially, the end point is um, that you're sort of replacing sick cells. So, so essentially, the end point. You know, I can give you an example. One of one of the first clinical trials um, that that our partners will pursue is in an indication um, where there um, where there is actually um, liver failure. So, you so patients with liver failure mm-hmm. they have sort of very Poor survival rates, and you can then create um, from a stem cell. You can sort of create a surrogate liver cell. It's not—it's not the full liver cell. It's—it's it's sort of a—you know—it's still a compromise, I would say. But this is a fatal uh, condition, right? That you don't survive very long, and you're able to replace um, these missing cells in the in the body of a human patient. And I think along those same lines, that is sort of. That is sort of where the first generation, I think, of cell therapies um, that BitBio that aims for will, will, will sort of go for. Essentially, conditions where you would like to replace a defective cell with a healthy counterpart. Um, and of course, there is a lot of complexity associated with that, because the moment you're transplanting cells, you, you have an immune reaction that you, that you need to deal with. So, so I'm not saying it's going to be easy. But sort of definitely one key piece of the puzzle will be that you're able to create that cell that that you want to replace, and that 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 cell is, to the best of your ability, a functional surrogate, right? That 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 um, can take over function, and and we're seeing first successes there, and and I think you know it will be it will be a way. It will take you know three years, maybe five years, um, but we will see more therapies. Where you can actually um, sort of take a patient cell, make it into change it into change sort of cell identity so that it becomes a different cell and replace um, a missing function. So that is that is sort of one area of, of cell therapy that we're very excited about.
0: That's that's good to hear. That's there are more approaches. I in the preparation of uh, to this podcast, um, we asked ourselves the question. It's Astrid Matthias and me. Um, do we see a golden age of biotech, or is it just the biotech and healthcare bubble? What's your opinion, Tilman and Thomas, on that topic?
5: No, I'm I'm convinced that the megatrends absolutely speak for a continuation of this of this kind of golden age for biotechnology. All mega drivers are there. There is really enormous money flowing into that. And and obviously, health is a central issue for every person, and, and we see really that the in the with science we we can solve many of the the kind of health issues that we have and and even the the aging process maybe could be modified at a certain point in time in the future. So so I'm I'm really convinced there's a lot of of things to do for us and and this trend is definitely here to stay. Astrid, how do
0: you see that?
3: No, oh, absolutely. I mean, people will always be ill, right? So, I mean, there's always, you know, potential for health. But absolutely, I mean, I think that there will be also more and more digital solutions. But also, I think also what we've heard from Bettina before, you know, how important it is to increase sort of this health literacy, you know, but not just on the health level, so also financial literacy. And maybe this should also be taken as an opportunity, you know, to to revise how we think is education as, uh, as a whole. Um, but yeah, but I think the healthcare sector sh- surely has a very bright future.
0: Yeah. I agree with that M- Matthias just posted uh, a link to an article: the biggest healthcare data breaches of 2021. Um, how important is data security in your business, Thomas and Tilman?
5: Data security? You mean in terms of storage of our data?
0: Storage of your data, and um, is there any risk of data breaches in in your area?
5: Uh, I think the risk is always there and, and IT security obviously is a very, very important uh, point for us. I mean, yeah, we have outsourced all this, this data storage to this, to these big, big providers in the cloud. So we, we feel this is more secure than if we would have built our own server structure. Uh, yeah, but, uh, I just had a, and I had a discussion, uh, this week again with our IT advisor and, and I see this as an ongoing process and and uh, the risk risk is definitely there uh that that data data stolen uh although yeah this hasn't happened yet <laughs> and and we feel this this has to be protected as well yeah sure.
0: That's an amazing shift in paradigm when I think back to 2006, when I started in the life science industry, the paradigm was built in-house. So all the server infrastructure in-house because it's more safe. And uh, you mentioned that uh, 15 to 16 years later, uh, the paradigm shifted and uh, the perception is that uh, data stored in the cloud is more secure than uh, with an own in-house server structure. Uh, is this just my impression of this paradigm shift or do you see it as
5: well? No, I
0: yes. Yeah, no, go ahead,
5: Thomas. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, I absolutely see this. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, back in the days, we also had our own server infrastructure, but yeah, at least my feeling is that, and what I hear from our IT advisors that Microsoft and Google may be better in, in protecting their server farms than, than we are, even if we have very good advisors here
4: in, in Vienna. Yeah, so to it's your the, topic, I guess. I just wanted to add to this topic that uh, year 2021 was again, also showing us that these big, uh, infrastructures are also prone to fail. So we had, um, just the other day, yesterday, and, um, the week before, a huge outage in Amazon data centers, which uh, took down a lot of services with it, um, a lot of like, um, critical infrastructure for other projects and startups and so on. So we saw also GitHub had multiple downtimes, um, this year. So, and it's interesting to, to see that, of course, while a lot of the services and a lot of, um, um, big, um, um, as well as smaller products are relying on the cloud availability. Um, the web two infrastructure, um, which is the cloud, um, has substantially, um, also paid us already twice this year. So I think, uh, we will see interesting developments around that. Um, some aspects of web three are trying to fix that by, for example, looking at, um, different distributed systems or like, um, decentralized systems such as Git, like, um, um, IT the, the um, uh, service usually used by developers which is uh, in its nature also um, um, decentralized in a form that you can keep at least your local copy um, uh, there what all these systems didn't really solve yet is um, um, is encryption so partly and a huge part of these cloud systems are not um, um, in a way it, um, um, it's not possible to completely hide them from snooping from external parties, be they like um, governments or um, any third parties, want to protect those. So I guess um, this is also something what the recent data leaks in this year um, have shown us. This is still ongoing. So I guess it will be a, a, a strong topic, not only in the in the healthcare or, or um, in the in the um, uh, research sector in general. So um, a lot of these breaches are, of course, driven by economic incentives. People want to 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 um, know what um, other projects are doing. There's been a lot of, like, um, um, different, um, bands on, uh, yeah, still in the midst of the, of the, of, 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 of a hidden, uh, war between the large players of so the state. There has been a lot of, um, a lot of, um, recent incidents that have happened, which have been attributed to state, uh, um, near hacker groups and so on. So I see still, um, this is an ongoing threat, as you've said. At the same time, I think we will we will see how um, this will affect us really in the in the next future. So the data not being maybe the main target here, uh, or or the, the larger research data not being the main target here, but credentials or or uh, access uh, um, control token or like um, any access um, uh, and, and accounts, which are still in a way uh, very easy to obtain and could uh, potentially create a lot of damage.
3: I mean, there was just a case just recently in the news, wasn't it, where also a partner sort of like uh um put his uh girlfriend to sleep and sort of got her eyelid to uncover her phone and sort of uh, get funds out of her. So this is exactly what you're saying. And I need to say it's interesting. I mean, I, I subscribe that the trend has been sort of a year or so to go to these bigger server farms or so. But I need to say from what we've seen also, especially in the deal from when we question these kind of data security models as well with companies is that the trend seems to go that most actually go now to the smaller and independent providers because they're not as a large target as if you just go full on Amazon or, you know, the other server farms. That is also quite an interesting movement and people really try to figure out different ways because it's similar to the kind of story like with also you know viruses and all that on computers because microsoft was first target because it had the biggest market share and so everyone was developing you know <laughs> tools to get into these uh, computers and apple wasn't on so much on the horizon so people were a little bit more secure Before it's now really taken up as well, that uh, there are a lot of Apple users now, and obviously it's become an also an attractive target now. So people also working on solutions Mm -hmm. to get into these things. But uh, it's like, I think that there will always be sort of these kind of trends, but we will see, you know, how uh, security develops and uh, what new approaches will be.
0: Thomas and Tillman, what is your outlook for your industry, for the part of uh, the industry you operate in for 2022?
5: Yeah. Should I say? Do you want to start, Thomas? No, let's, let's start. So I'm, I'm, yeah, convinced and I already see it in, in our kind of projects that we have in for 2022 that, yeah, we assume and, and strongly believe that year 2022 will be another great year for biotech and pharma. So we see lots of, lots of interest, especially in this kind of more data driven science of of the applications of of uh, biology so the climate or the, the kind of trend definitely definitely will stay there and yeah i mean for us as a company of for our company group yeah we, we have many interesting projects for next year so we will move into a new site that we just started to to refurbish and and re- and and furnish and yeah we will start some some interesting already already project. so yeah i'm i'm very positive about the, the next year and really looking forward <laughs> Timan, how is it for you the upcoming Yeah, no, one?
1: i i definitely i can i can i can add to that um, um to me what is really exciting again is sort of this 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 idea that we can drive um the stem cell differentiation forward and we'll and we'll hopefully see first examples where we're really sort of We've now made the first steps, and we kind of see it working a little bit, but we haven't quite sort of developed a new cell type. And so, if I were to formulate um, a goal for the next year, it would really be that we're taking stem cells and we're creating something that so far nobody else has been able to make, and and we're really sort of showcasing for the first time for real um, that that this can be done. And um, so that would be my 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 goal and outlook. I think for the for the BitBio Discovery Team in Vienna.
0: Tilman, Thomas, I wish you and your teams and your families all the best for 2022 and a Merry Christmas. Good to see you back to the sh- on the show, and maybe we can catch up next year in another episode. Would be great. Thanks a lot, Christian. Happy to do so. Have, happy a, have a great to day. you all as well.
1: Yeah, Merry Christmas and happy holidays.
0: Have a great day. Have a great day. Thanks.
1: Bye.
4: Bye.
0: Astrid, Matthias. What's what's on our list topic-wise?
4: We have a lot of topics. I don't know where to start because there's so many topics. So while, um, we have all these talks, uh, I started to, to sort the breaches we had in 2021. We've been talking about cyber security, maybe a little bit too much already, but, um, of course there has been even, uh, recent things that have been happening in the past days, in the past months. So I think this is a record year by far. So I have been, um, researching also that, um, the number of data breaches in 2021 to pass all of them in 2020. So, um, this is huge and this is, um, a lot of um, things that um, that are still in the um, uh, playing out. So I think we are not not even at the at the maximum of this uh, of these things. But on the other hand, we have um, we see that um, there's a lot of criticism um, around NSO Group. So there has been a lot of um, debate recently and also in the past um, days. Um, um, so Israel's NSO Group uh, is um, one of the main providers of spyware for for governments. And um, it has been also, um, so the company has been also utilizing um, um, and supplying uh, various um, different uh, clients around the world. And um, uh, U.S. lawmakers are posing extreme sanctions on the on the group. So um, they are uh, retreating from the market and they're planning to, to um, not develop this uh, program Pegasus, which was also in the news this year, any further. So this is an interesting thing and also an interesting topic to research further, if um, anyone listening is interesting. Uh, interested in that. Um, a lot of um, other things, of course, also um, happened this year and also don't want to see the whole show after this chip in at any time if, it, um, if I'm talking too much. So um, I have been also trying to a little bit um, look at um, if we can quantify the talent shortage because this has been a topic that we've been also repetitively um, talking about. So um there seems to be also a shift um um especially in the average salaries, which is interesting. I don't know what to make of it, but um you see on the one hand a few like very high paid um jobs, obviously in the embedded and blockchain sector. Um and also though average um jobs um uh and, uh and pricing of of developers are also increasing. Um this has of course also the reason, in my opinion, because there's a lot of um different. Um, projects that start in the AI uh, domain. So data science, um, has also, um, increased, of course, um, um, uh, their demand in developers. So there needs to be a lot of uh, machine readable data produced and made, um, accessible and made, um, um, standardized in a way that it can be utilized from, from different AI and machine learning, uh, um, algorithms all, all, all over the world. So it becomes, in a way, the new, um, uh, a form of like factory work to produce like data in a machine-readable form. So lots of um, and developers and uh, most of the developer industry are um, also not happy about um, um, this work that is um, considered to be repetitive. But uh, we see a lot of like um, interest in that, and the demand is very very high. So the annotation of data and as well as the preparation of data for machine readability is um, definitely a huge um, trend that is ongoing. We see also um, a lot of changes um, in open source um technologies. We've been talking about this initially, but um to quantify this a little bit, so there has been also a lot of um critique, um especially in the funding models of open source software, which are still in, located in the web to domain. So there is a lot of um of course um exploits possible because very few people are sometimes um developing critical infrastructure, critical libraries that are in develop uh, that are in deployment all over the world. So um, recent um, exploits such as Log4j or other um, um, different ones that happened already this year can affect um, a lot of like, infrastructure, can um, uh, mostly also affect uh, critical infrastructure. So I think um, we see also there are a lot of projects um, that you maybe also come across uh, from the Web3 that are trying to really um, jump into these kind
3: of problems that the Web2 poses. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should just add on this part because I'm not quite sure if everyone is familiar with Web2 and Web3 at this point because obviously Matthias and I are working in this space, but very broadly speaking, Web2 is what you see today when you open up your laptop and you know all the applications that you have on your phone. And Web3 is basically the new vision of a decentralized future uh, where uh, most things are sort of built on blockchain architectures and uh, where also sort of the user can have, Power and share in these kind of networks by different incentive mechanisms, like tokens, for example. But I'm actually curious to see what use cases will come out of blockchain beyond tokens, because that's also, I mean, it's a nice sort of feature at the moment. But we'll see. It would be nice to see more innovation coming out of that.
0: Maybe we use this opportunity to pull our next speaker into the conversation. It's uh, Kimberly Cornfield uh, from the UCL. We did uh, a few interesting and amazing episodes, especially with uh, one of her researchers who is uh, developing tools that make the internet touchable. Maybe it's uh, web-free or even web 4.0. <laughs> Kimberly, welcome to the show.
7: Hi, it's great to see you and Astrid again this year, and nice to meet you, Matthias. Astrid, question, uh,
0: uh, Astrid, Kimberly, question, uh, which, uh, sorry, which Astrid brought up uh, the transition from Web 2.0 and to Web 3.0. What do you see at the UCL in this area? Is there anything going on?
7: I imagine so. I mean, we've got, um, we've got our centers for computer science, artificial intelligence. We've got so much activity. So specifically off the top of my head, I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but I I'm sure it's there. Um, We are covering everything and. And all our disciplines. We're now up to 40,000 students and over 10,000 staff. So we've got so many different research areas covered.
0: I absolutely see that. What are you doing at UCL? What's your area?
7: So I'm head of European research and innovation. So I, uh, my team and I were 15. I um, were responsible for uh, UCL's European portfolio. So everything Horizon. So in Horizon 2020 was our focus. Now we're focused on Horizon Europe. Um, so it's sort of it's been an exciting year because we concluded Horizon 2020. I mean, there's pr- projects that are ongoing that have been funded, but the launch of the new Horizon Europe program has made it an exciting year. Is that um, almost 100 billion now available um, for research and companies?
0: Tell me more about uh, how exciting your 2021 was in this area.
7: It was um, it was a challenge. I mean, Horizon Europe, it did have a bit of a delay in launch. So we finished um, we finished out Horizon 2020 early in the year um, with the EU's green deals. That was a billion available for climate research and innovation, which was really exciting. Um, But it was incredibly competitive. So there was over a thousand five hundred submissions and 73 were funded. Um, And then we moved into. Uh, The first calls in Horizon Europe before the program actually launched, which was funding um, emergency COVID-19 research. So looking at the um, variants of concern, which is obviously very relevant, particularly um, we're all going through it these last few weeks and, um, and some on infrastructure as well. And but the majority of our collaborative calls and and funding opportunities all fell this autumn. So it was almost sort of a year's worth of work in about three months. So we're uh, we we had over 300 submissions to the program. So it was a really um, active year and a lot in sort of climate and digital space as well as life and medical sciences.
0: That's really interesting, and I also heard that the Brexit finally happened. Uh, did you see? Did you see any changes uh, due to the Brexit in twenty twenty
7: one? I mean, it's 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 been a challenging year, um, COVID and otherwise, and, and and managing that transition. So we are the UK is to still associate um, to the programs so that hasn't happened just yet. Um, so that's um, trying to manage. Um, Submissions and questions and encourage applications. Um, and it's gone quite well. But what we've done is really taken a collaboration and partnership approach to um, build those relationships with European SMEs and research institutes. Um, in particular, we did we had two initiatives. Um, one of UCL's European Engagement Strategies is a cities partnership program. So our office worked with um, the city's partnership program for Stockholm. Um, so that was with the Stockholm Trio, uh, which is Karolinsk Institute, KTH and Stockholm University and UCL. Collectively, our organizations won nearly 900 million in Horizon 2020 2020. So we um, came together to, to support and enable some more collaborations, not just within our organizations, but looking at the cities, the regions and beyond. So where else can we make connections you know, with these ecosystems across Europe. And we did something similar with um, KU Leuven, and Utrecht Medical Center and Utrecht University. Collectively, we've won over a billion uh, in funding in Horizon 2020. So focusing in on some areas um, where we've got a lot of strong um, existing collaboration and funding um, and sort of prep ourselves and our researchers for 2022. So now we're eagerly awaiting the results. The majority of the results will come in 2022.
0: Did you see any changes in the way you do your business due to the pandemic? I mean, uh, you collaborate with a lot of organizations uh, all over the world, uh, not only in Europe. Uh, how is it with traveling and home office? How did your life change?
7: We started to we returned um, back to going into the office at the end of September. We are now back to home working, so it was uh, it was short, um, but I think it was quite valuable for. Um, colleagues, uh, both research and professional services, to reconnect um, and in person. And I, I had the opportunity to go to my first in-person work event uh, in Malmo <laughs> last month. Um, for I from, envy you. <laughs> it was the first. It was Tech Connect, which is I understand is an American organization, and they did their first event in in the Skane region in uh, Sweden, and it was great. I mean, it was. So nice to be able to meet people have a conversation and have those sort of serendipitous moments where you can connect on a topic and but i think that that is that was probably the last one for for a while um we'll see what bring comes next year
0: that's that's true that's true what's your outlook for 2022 what do you think we will see in this year
7: I'm cautiously optimistic, Um, I'm, (coughs) pardon me, sorry, I'm also, it's going around here in the UK, almost everybody, so apologies for any coughing. Um, I am optimistic, I'm I'm looking forward to to the results to see what's been funded, Um, there was some really exciting uh, calls for ambitious research and collaboration. This year, the European Innovation Council was launched, which I think will be of interest really Mm -hmm. to this network because um, it's, it's closer to market funding and it can fund some of the, you know, stages in that valley of death and progress research. And it, so it's interesting for our researchers too that get funded under the European Research Council is it can be follow-on sort of funding for um, really ambitious bottom-up, like uh, you mentioned in the haptics technology with my colleague uh, Sri Subramanian. Um, it's that sort of that area of really ambitious um, beat tech work can get funded. It can fund SMEs. So I'm looking just looking forward to seeing what the results were from 2021 because some of these programs were were completely new or piloted um, before and launched sort of more formally to see what was funded, um, who you know who was able to to get money from the program to advance the technologies, and then what these next calls in 2022 are going to look like. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of funding continuing for climate change, um, whether that's sort of in the engineering space and, um, you know, capture technologies and things like this, or um, also looking at cities and, and design and policy.
0: When you look at your uh, submission flow, let's call it that way. You mentioned already climate change and uh, um, uh, this area of um, uh, technology in cities. What uh, other trends do you see in your submissions? That uh, where are we heading to?
7: There's a lot, obviously, in healthcare. So, of course, in infectious disease and looking at at the um, COVID nineteen um, pandemic. Um, and I see a lot of. Basically, I see sort of two key transitions. One is digital, and one is green. So you'll see it linked throughout healthcare um, and even to social sciences and humanities. So there's a call coming up next year that's um, combining artificial intelligence and democracy. So merging, um, you know, social sciences, arts, and humanities with STEM um, as well.
0: Can you can you dig a little bit deeper in that? It uh, sounds interesting. Artificial intelligence and democracy. What's in this call?
7: I haven't gone through it in too much detail, <laughs> sorry, sorry. to be honest. <laughs> there is also one. I think it's on AI and education. I think mm-hmm. Really, what you're looking at is is um, artificial intelligence, and you know how it the impact. I would say probably is where it's focused on on democracy, on governments, on education, um, biases that can come out from artificial intelligence? What is that impact? So I think that's sort of the area. The call in itself would be very broad um, and and we'll be looking for for, uh, collaboration.
0: I would like to take the question and turn it to Astrid and Matthias. What's your opinion? What is the potential of artificial intelligence in the areas Kimberly pointed out?
3: Ah, huge. <laughs> the problem is, uh, no, I mean, you know, we, we live in an age of deep fakes, right? So we need to be aware of that. And it's really, really, I mean, uh, the, the battle between, uh, generating deep fakes and detecting deep fakes is a very close one. And it's always very difficult to sort of, uh, keep up that. And that's something that I think will impact all of us because the, Unfortunately this term fake news has been coined now and it spreads across all kind of sectors, also healthcare. I mean, we've seen discussions going on in healthcare around COVID also were really, really sad, you know, and trying to also discredit some of the technologies that are out there and suddenly having a lot of experts around, you know, who believe they know and know the world. Um it's Become more difficult to distinguish for people what is actually a real piece of inf- information, what is well researched. Uh, there's just an information overload, and I think that that can impact just everything, like also democracy. I mean, we've also seen, you know, political campaigns being built on, you know, um fake data, and it's not just the US. We've also had a case in Austria, right? So, <laughs> there's, um, I think so it's, impact can be huge. Yeah, but Matthias, you're raising your hand as well. Yes,
4: I mean, I want to just add to, uh, to the, the very valid point have been making. So on the one hand, we see machine learning offering a big opportunity also for, for the healthcare industry. So there's um, again also the link back to, to data science. So um, we see also a lot of um, um, startups, but also um, researchers like entering the field. So this is um, also a very, very huge business. So I guess like this is why this is um, also very, um, very much in the, in the spotlight at the moment. At the same time, we see also through um, through the pandemic, but also through other um, approaches already to um, to telemedicine, a lot of um, uh, need to have structured data and have like um, a ways of how to uh, monitor and and and, uh, and really understand how um, linguistic approaches can tell us a lot about like treatment or like how how this can actually be, be used in a in a in a serious way. So uh, machine learning then this context and AI is, is still. Um, um, very, uh, relevant, especially in the context of the chat box or so on. But so at the, at the same time, I see a lot of uh, misunderstanding often when, um, the term AI, uh, gets, uh, used into the mix. So, um, if you look at it closer and if you look at what uh, AI can do at the current moment and what it's heading, we are very, very, far away from, from, um, um thinking machines, so to say. So these are all like pattern recognition machines at, at its best. And so they can only um, act as as good as the as the data is. So I see a lot of um, lot of need of of structuring uh, the data um, in a way better. There's um, still a lot of uh, debate on if the um, if the machine bias that you create also with data bias um, is problematic or not. We've seen this um, in a lot of like different um, um, papers and articles being produced um, um, because also the. Of course, the algorithms have been improved, um, for example, for face recognition in, uh, in times of crisis now because um, people have been wearing the masks. So you have like to adapt these um, algorithms as well. So um, there's a lot of money in the field and um, AI and uh, machine learning are, are super strong. And I think this will be still going on in the next years and uh, next decade for sure.
0: Kimberly, what are your plans for 2022?
7: Horizon Europe. Uh, so to to keep uh, supporting our collaboration. So really to very much be engaged across Europe. I think collaboration um, and our networks are, are really where my focus will be, especially because, as you've mentioned, with Brexit and it's sort of navigating this um, new relationship between the UK and Europe from a research and innovation perspective. And I just think that there's huge value in in continuing these collaborations and building on our science, um, regardless of of any of the other politics. But, and I think sort of COVID-19 climate change is really highlighting the fact that we just need to keep working together to solve these challenges. So that'll be my focus, keeping uh, us actively engaged in the research and innovation and our our European and global uh, partnership. And in particular, very much looking at a focus on, on that industry engagement. So with companies, um, how can we also promote and highlight um, our research? I look at the $415 million that we've received in, in Horizon 2020, and I see it as a huge opportunity of how do we support our researchers, connect with networks like this, and progress that to the next stage and for those products and solutions of how can we help them get to the next type of funding to get to market and to patients ultimately.
0: I couldn't agree more to what you say. Um, solving the world's biggest problems needs multinational, international collaboration, not only in Europe, but globally. And uh, I hope that the politicians open up the borders again so that scientists, entrepreneurs and investors can continue at scale and also meet in person. Again, I think it's also a very important factor to solve the problems or the challenges we have in climate change, in the digital world, and also in healthcare. Kimberly, thank you very much for joining. Um, I wish you and your family and your team all the best for 2022 and Merry Christmas. And I hope we can catch up in the new year.
7: Yes, likewise. Thank you so much. It's always a, what's a highlight to come back this year and listen to everyone else today. Um, And so I wish you a Happy New Year and Merry Christmas as well. And thanks so much.
0: Have a great time. Bye Bye bye. Thanks for listening. Please, please
4: share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed. Have a great day. Mm
5: -hmm.